Hello, and welcome to Game Breaking Feature, the podcast where we analyze and discuss common elements of modern video game design and development. My name is Stephen Bennett, and in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about boss battles. What differentiates a good boss battle from a bad one? Are boss battles still relevant to modern game design? Do bosses know their weak spots are showing? To help me answer these questions and many more, is a man who always telegraphs his strongest attack, my good friend Jared Bruner. Jared, how are you? I'm actually, I don't know, man. I've, I've been better. Um been kind of tired lately. I, I'm working on a project that's been taking up a lot of my time. Haven't been really getting a lot of sleep, but uh, I've got uh, like two more health bars in front of me, so I, I should be okay. I got two more health oh. bars. Oh my god! <laughs> Here I am, like I've, I'm, I'm like generally, I'm like genuinely interested in your well-being, and you launch into <laughs> fucking boss battle puns. I love it. <laughs> that's what I do. Oh. Is that it? Are you you're you're just feeling all right, and you've got your two health bars? How's life treating you? Yeah, I mean, once 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 I'm this one, once my stamina bar goes all the way to zero, um, I'll get at least two more. So uh, we'll we'll just we'll just keep going until this one's done, and I, I should be good again. Oh, fuck! I hate you so much. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> well, uh, also joining us uh, this week, we have uh, two amazing guests. They're a pair of uh, LA-based animators. They're currently working on their own VR game. Please welcome Sam Malone and Jake Ellis. Sam, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, man. Of course, of course. Any uh, boss battle-related puns you'd like to sneak in here? No, man. He uh, he blew it out of the water there. I don't even know what to say. That was really good. <laughs> every week. Every week I have to deal with this shit. <laughs> I've got it covered. Jake, don't worry about it. Jake, how you doing, man? Great. <laughs> <laughs> Short and sweet. I love I it. I like to sneak. That's good. That's good, Jake. We yeah, can all learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thank you. Would it so to give people a little bit of a background about you guys? What's uh, what's your involvement with video games? How did you come to play video games? You guys have educational backgrounds in it, or uh, work work backgrounds in it? How, how how are you attached to video games? I guess for the two of us, we've always had like a great love of video games. Just having played them throughout our lives. We have had a background in mostly like 3D animation and more on like the modeling and texturing side. So within that, it's sort of served as like a jumping off point for us to get into making our own games because instead of having to learn like, oh, well, there's a lot that goes into a game. Programming, art, like sound, all these little pieces it's like because we already had a background in one of them it was easier for us to sort of transition into games as a medium so what what prompted the switch from working in i guess you know more of a film related background to working in video games well there's something special about video games and the fact that it is all interactive with a film or a show you're telling a concise story that's completely contained and that the audience doesn't really have control over. With a game, you can create these sort of new narratives that can be driven by the player. And I think that's just so cool that you can do that. And we're only just scratching the surface of that today. Yeah, was there something specific, though? Was there like a moment where you guys are like, well, you know, time to time to start working on a, a game instead of television? For me, I was like uh, starting, you know, uh, the game. We're making a, a VR game, and we're we're pretty inexperienced, and it is strange for us to to dive right into to straight to VR, you know, instead of really. We had a couple little tech projects on the side, like I think you made like a 
like a 2D kind of a flash game. Um, and I've made a couple little um, simple games and stuff. But our first like game we really want to release is into VR because we really want to feel like get on the ground floor of it. Like we observed VR starting to become kind of coming out and becoming like a consumer product rather than just like, oh, hopefully someday in the future we'll be able to go into the hollow deck and live out our wildest dreams or whatever. Now it's actually starting to become reality. You can go out and buy a VR headset and that's sort of inspired me like, wow, this is sort of what I've always wanted since I was a kid to be able to make like my own worlds and my own little stories and, and actually go into those worlds and, and get that level of immersion that I feel like wasn't really possible when you're just playing uh, next to your TV or your monitor or whatever, there's always that gap. You're not really in the world, but now you can really look around and it's almost, it's like a whole nother level for us. And that, I think that really sparked us to be like, hey, this is it. This is our time. Let's let's make something cool, you know. So that was at least for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I can speak for Jared in saying that like he and I, both see VR as like a really exciting time for for mm -hmm. video games for that exact reason because it, it is actually branches into that um, I hate to use the word immersion because I there's a lot of um, baggage tied to that word sure but it's not just like a new thing for video games it's like a whole new medium that was invented yeah. I think we're still a ways out from seeing those types of games that are developed from the ground up for VR you know, in a big way. Like, of course, we've had a lot of shooting galleries and, and other kinds of things come out. But uh, I'm more interested in that kind of stuff, stuff that's built for VR, for that medium, than Skyrim and VR. <laughs> yeah. Right. It seems like a lot of people right now are designing more of tech demos because of the fact that VR is still in its infancy. But yeah. right now, it is sort of the Wild West. People are starting to experiment more and sort of, I hope we can see some really cool projects that arise that, like you said, are built with VR in mind. Yeah, because like no one really knows what works yet and what doesn't work. I mean, people kind of have an idea of what makes people sick, like what kind of experiences that you put on the player that will make you sick and stuff, but they don't really know like what's extremely compelling, what really takes advantage of the VR medium that isn't just another tower defense or like you mentioned, like a, uh, like a bullet hell slash like, you know, shoot them up kind of deal. That's what everything appears to be or like, a simple like a cooking game you know it seems like there isn't no one's really figured out that spark yet and sort of pushed the idea there's a huge like physiological aspect to vr too like vr sweats are like a real oh, yeah. thing from my experience like you know it's like not only about creating nausea and stuff like that but there's something going on with your body that i think that we're still kind of figuring out that you're gonna have to be kind of careful as you develop yes. these things you know people falling over hurting themselves or whatever that physiological feedback is from VR, you know, people waving their hands around. It's a whole whole new perspective on gaming that I don't think a lot of people have really explored very much yet. Right, you have to be mindful with your design. So it's like when you create a mechanic, you have to really think about the player more so than you would have to if you were designing a more traditional game. Well, tell, tell us a little bit about the game that you guys are working on. Like, what are what specifically is your project about? And then, you know, what, what issues are you guys encountering that you're having to overcome? Yeah, so uh, we're still pretty early in the, in the phases of it, but the main idea is it's going to be a, uh, basically a game where you're fighting a series of bosses. So that kind of works well into... I mean, one boss so far. One boss hey. so far. One boss. So currently it's just like... You guys, a, sound, you guys sound like the perfect guest for this. <laughs> hey, what a coincidence. It seems like this is totally like an amazing coincidence. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, it's currently it's just like one boss. We're, we're we're trying to essentially make a little ten minute experience currently where you fight one boss, a, a large like mecha aerial mecha sort of thing, and you 
are sort of like an Iron Man type futuristic thing, but you have a bow and arrow that's kind of like futuristic and whatnot. So it's not like, um, I don't know, it's kind of like Iron Man, but you have a bow and arrow. We're still trying to figure out the art style and kind of, we're thinking kind of similar to Overwatch, sort of that kind of cartoony, but sort of grounded in reality sort of a look. But um, I instantly we, think of Blood Dragon when you guys see yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's like having love. giant robot dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but also, wasn't there, a, wasn't there a bow and arrow in that one? I think so. I think so. I it's been, I played only part of that game, but I feel like most likely it did. And it's, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, too, just came out. I think that's... Yeah, that's that's also, yeah, that's totally... Yeah. We're drawing a lot of inspiration but, from that, because I think that game is so awesome. And so, um, from what I've played, at least, we don't have a PS4, but um, I really love that sort of aesthetic and that idea. Um, so that's the kind of game we're making currently. What are you guys developing it on? Uh, currently, we, we have an Oculus Rift here uh, in the home studio, but we are hoping to publish it for the Vive and PSVR. I mean, any anything that has motion controls, because with this, you actually have to uh, physically pull the arrow out of your quiver and draw it and then let go, and you get to you know make decisions based on how far should I pull it back, should I charge up my arrow, and stuff like that. So it, ha- it needs to have motion controls, definitely. Are you using the... Uh, the uh, Oculus Touch is that the one? Yes, yeah, we have yeah. that. We is that the, I picked that up pretty much that? right away when it came out, and it's it's been fantastic to develop. It has basic. We're using a Unreal Engine four is our engine, and uh, everything has been just native, very easy to implement VR. Like it's just there's no extra plugins. There's no, and you know Jake and I aren't really programmers. We're, we're artists. No, we're coming at this from an artist perspective. Yeah, so it's really nice to be able to use blueprints, which yeah. is basically visual scripting, and fits a lot more within our uh, with our. Uh, our non-programming smarts we, it's basically just flowcharts you know and, and as long as you understand like basic logic and sort of like hey if, if this you need to check the logic you know like true or false if you just get the basic logic of it then even a dumb artist dumb artists like us can end up making a game that actually runs pretty well and has because we already got all the mechanics working the bow works great we have the boss in there roughly he shoots missiles at you and you gonna get finish to, the rig today yes gonna finish the start rig today animating. start animating it uh, currently they shoot missiles at you and you can shoot them shoot the missiles out of the the sky as they come at you with your bow and arrow so it like it rewards uh, good positioning and good aim um, so yeah we're, we're we're getting there it's it's really fun well again thank you guys for uh, joining us on this episode man it, you guys it's you because you're spending so much time focusing on on the idea of boss battles, uh, this seemed like the perfect topic for us to discuss. But we're going to jump into this the way that we always do, talking a little bit about the origins of boss battles. Jared, you're typically the one who kind of likes to take this away. Yeah, one of the earliest that we could find was a um, game some people might know by the name of Dungeons & Dragons. What? Uh, the... Uh, had a video game that came out in 1974. No, no, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. It's D N D, Jared. D N D. That's important. Yes. Not not D N D. It's D N D. If you wanna if you wanna Google it, licensing issues possibly. I don't know. I wasn't exactly clear on that. Yeah, this is like really silly, man. I I honestly in my research there's not a whole lot of information i was able to dig up about the game but i i couldn't find any sort of direct link to dungeons and dragons besides sort of the similar naming structure and some mechanics that it cribbed from the uh the pen and paper rpg right i mean it it looks like it was developed by a couple of nerds similar to us but much smarter obviously um this game D D. 
Uh, it was developed by Gary Wisenhunt and uh, Ray Wood for the Plato system in Southern Illinois University, which was, I guess, kind of a uh, com- early computer system to help facilitate like curriculums and stuff like that. Um, it looks like it was based loosely on the mechanics and Dungeons and Dragons. And towards the end of it, as you progress, things would get harder through the dungeon. You would get loot. And by the end, you would fight a big dragon, the golden dragon. So I guess that was probably one of the earliest known boss battles. Yeah, if you look at if you look at video games, the history of video games, there's a few things that have cast long, long shadows into video game development. And we talked about it in one of our recent episodes, but I think the Cold War was one of those things where we were fascinated with uh, with space and missiles and, and those kinds of things. Um, and that's given way to, you know, the call of duties of today. But the other thing that you see a lot of is the influence of Dungeons and Dragons on modern video game design. And it wasn't until I actually started playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, which I didn't do until well into my, my adult life, that I really started to see, like, holy shit, this is, I mean, this is where... RPGs, you know, the RPG video games come from things like tracking stats and rolling attacks and stuff like that. So it's interesting, you know, I think this is the second or third game that we've talked about in um, sort of our origins discussions of our various topics that D&D has come up. And uh, did any of you guys get a chance to look at that, the gameplay from D&D? No. No, I've actually never, I feel like such a, a fake nerd because I actually haven't really played any of those old games. I feel like we, have, we were just talking about it. It'd be pretty sweet to get a setup like that here. Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw kind of like the UI that, that did have like a graphical representation of your character and an inventory. It, it seemed pretty advanced for 1974. Yeah, it's, it's Diablo. That's the thing. It's, yeah. it's like, it's Diablo. And it's crazy that, you know, that this game came out in 1974 and then Diablo came out, what, like, 1995 yeah. somewhere around there you know and and that's just you know one example i, I mean it, it looks like legend of zelda it looks like so many of those dungeon crawly games that it, it's hard to ignore the influence that dungeons and dragons has had on video games and you know again here's another early example of this game d and d no relation no no discernible relation I mean, one of the other things that was kind of cool about it, too, was that it you could go back through previously visited areas to loot up before you face the final boss. So it's also kind of one of the first non-linear games that that were, you know, around that time. So um, that's kind of a big deal. You know, it's like one of those things that was way ahead of their times and is probably developed by just a couple of guys who really enjoyed paper and pencil RPGs. So are we playing any games right now that have boss battles? Sam, are you playing anything? Yeah, I'm actually playing through uh, Breath of the Wild currently. You know that Ooh, game. Me too. Oh yes, an amazing, an amazing game. Um, actually, I first played it on uh, on PC using some shenanigans, but uh, now I actually <laughs> just picked up a. I actually just picked a Switch up um, a little. Actually, it's impossible to find nowadays, by the way. But uh, I was lucky to find one on like Dell.com or something. Completely random. Anyways, uh, Breath of the Wild, an amazing game. I really love about it is that you can face it's kind of unique in all of the Zelda games where you can sort of face any of the bosses in any order like it essentially just throws you out in the open world and you'd be like hey you can go this way this way this way and you can even go straight to the final boss and fight them without doing anything else you know so it's kind of like a speedrunner's delight in that sense but I love the, the freedom of that that is, is uh, pretty great it's pretty unique for Zelda games as well 
How about you, Jake? You got anything uh, in the playlist that's challenging I've, you with bosses? I've only really been playing uh, the new Hitman recently. I don't know if uh, your targets could be considered bosses. They're kind of unique in a way that uh, throughout the level, as you get closer to them, they get harder because of all the bodyguards that sort of surround them. Yeah, especially so like the really elusive a- targets, like those, those things can be like super challenging. Yeah, you could say like the elusive targets could be like uh, could be kind of boss fights in their own way, just because they're more challenging than like the usual missions, and they're a character that you have to take down. And they like test you on the abilities you've. Yeah, and they test you yeah. on sort of the mechanics you've learned throughout the game. Yeah, so the bosses. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I mean, Gary Busey. I mean, he's got to be like the best video game boss of all time now, right? <laughs> that was like, one of the elusive targets was <laughs> oh, Gary yeah. Busey for some reason. Really? I didn't know that. That's that amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. For for whatever reason, he was he was uh, a few months ago, just Gary Busey playing Gary Busey. Hmm. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, since we're kind of we're kind of bumping up against it, like what? How, how do we define boss battles? What 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 elements of game design tell you that something is a boss battle versus just a normal trash mob, for lack of a better term? I mean, if we look at it through mechanics, usually it's like. A boss is defined as you go into an arena space and are sort of locked off from the game, from the rest of the game, until you defeat this one enemy. Or multiple enemies, depending on what you're playing. Sometimes bosses can be, like, multiple people. But uh, usually there's, like, a long health bar that you have to kind of chip away at. These bosses are way stronger than normal enemies. They're usually have names they're usually i guess the definition of them is that they're a character they've got some sort of they've got more going on than generic ninja 12 that you <laughs> killed like 30 minutes ago no one cares about him but like i care about him sensei whatever has a name and he's more powerful and he's testing you as like he's I guess a boss can also yeah. test you on mechanics that you've sort of learned throughout the game that you sort of pick up. If a whole game is a learning experience, then bosses are your are your uh, exams yeah, your, your, that you have to exam. pass. Yeah. That's your final exam is you have to defeat <laughs> this guy to get an A in the class. Yeah, you just you just found a way to make video games boring by like school it's what i do <laughs> you know my favorite part about video games is, is when they remind me of homework <laughs> it's when they remind me of learning <laughs> well maybe i guess learn. i'm glad to hear maybe... you guys say that because like that's some of my that's what i would consider like the the definition of a good boss battle is that you're introduced to all the mechanics throughout the game through you know either minor inter- interactions or just you know the the rest of the enemy fodder and then you get to implement you know multiple of you know all of those new mechanics into you know one fight where you can really focus on the strategy and the patterns of the boss um that's the kind of thing i love about boss battles right it's like the learning and the mechanics and all that i say that like as a designer if i'm a player looking for a boss battle what defines it is it's just like on a larger scale it just feels cooler than, it feels like, like an fighting. achievement. Like, it feels right? like an achievement when you defeat them. It's like you can fight. It's like uh, the TV tropes thing. It's like the I forget. It's like the hundred ninjas, mm-hmm. and it's like when there's more of a guy 
you know they're going to def- be defeated a lot more easily. But then when one shows up, you're like, oh, no. Like, oh, shit. This, Here is, it comes. this is the guy. So it's like boss fights sort of have that feeling of, like, because there's only one of them, they seem more like a match for you than all these guys having to gang up to try to defeat you. That's how I kind of felt about Destiny sometimes. It was like, oh, this is just a bigger version of the thing that I've killed a million of, which is fine. And then, like, those weren't like the main raid bosses or anything, but... Uh, okay, know. okay. This is, this is uh, yeah, this is Steve standing up for Destiny time. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no, guy, okay. I, I definitely, I agree. Jared's right. In a lot of the cases, they did sort of just do like, here's the bigger version of the of the enemy you've been fighting. It has more health. But I will say that the the raid bosses in Destiny were some of the the best boss battle experiences that I've personally ever had in a video game because they 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 have a lot of those those tropes of the boss battle you walk into an arena you get locked off you can't leave until the boss is defeated they've got the the glowy bits that you have to shoot and you have to learn their attack pattern you know th- these are all things that are sort of it's like the epitome of a boss fight. Yeah. Like all of the tropes kind of collected. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's never a bad thing. I don't no. think. People come to expect uh, that. Tropes are tropes for a reason. It's yeah. usually because they work. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, the, the thing that it did really well for me, though, was with, with all of those things, it did allow for a lot of uh, improvisation in those moments. So you could learn the attack patterns. You could learn where you had to shoot on the boss. But there were many times when we'd walk into a raid with like a random group of people and someone had kind of, you know, used one strategy and someone else had used a different one and we'd find a way to work them together to overcome the boss. And those were always really great feelings, especially when it was like, Hey, I heard about this one crazy strategy. Uh, you know, can we, can we try something like this? Or, or we've got five hunters in our group and, and one warlock, we're going to have to pull some real shenanigans to get through this fight and then have it work. Those are some really gratifying experiences because I think largely it, it allowed for that improvisation and allowed for you as the players to to come up with unique ways to beat the bosses, even though the bosses all kind of behaved the same way every time. So there's a game coming out soon called Cuphead, and when that was first released, it was basically a game of just fighting bosses. So my question is, like, what makes that like a boss if that's like all you're doing in the game? We, there's no build-up. There's no, there's no learning the mechanics. I mean, it just seems like to call that a boss battle is is kind of is reaching a little far to me. Well, that's. I mean, that sounds like what Sam and Jake are grappling with on their game, right? If if it's just sort of one encounter, yeah. What what mechanics are you learning that you're then implementing? If we're if we're sort of saying that that's the final exam of a video so, game. So I think, yeah, it's like talking about boss fights in a regular game versus when the bosses are the only thing in your game. It's like a little different in the fact that you almost have to treat your boss fights like the level and the fact that they have their own learning curves and own sort of like having a beginning phase where you can sort of learn the mechanics and sort of learn like what you need to do to fight him. And as his health is like chipped away, he gets progressively harder and harder until you almost would treat like the last quarter of his health like like that's the boss fight almost and the rest of it is sort of like the level leading up even though it's all part of the same encounter you can still have that curve of like tell letting the player sort of figure out how to defeat this guy over a period of time 
Yeah, so I would imagine there has to be like heavy phases involved in that, right? Yeah. So phase phases one is, like... is like a little bit less, little less complicated, and then you know as you go on, you gotta you gotta start implementing all those other things. All you know, all those all those elements start coming together to be make it more difficult. Is that kind of what you guys yeah, are leaning I towards? Actually, I actually, um, going back to what you said earlier, I you asked me about uh, games I was playing that had boss fights, and I totally forgot that I was playing a uh, Fury that came out like a little bit ago. And that mm. game is all boss fights. But how they do it is that each boss has a health bar, but then they've got like eight little squares that basically once you destroy their health bar, they go down a square, and then they switch to their next phase. If you die on that square, like say you've knocked off like two of them, and you get them down to like half health on his third health bar, and then die... It just refills that one. It doesn't refill everything else. But you only have hmm. three chances. So you can sort of... There's still boss fights in a way because the bosses... The characters are getting harder throughout the game or throughout the encounter. It's, it's more forgiving in the fact that if you lose, you're not just dragged to the front yeah. and have to do all the, like, tutorial... Almost like the tutorial stuff again. Yeah. Because you don't want to have the skilled player have to go through this boring, you know, beginning phases over and over again, even though they've already, they're already, hey, I'm, I'm like, I'm really good at this game now. They need to sort of implement a way to be like, hey, this guy's a skilled player. He can sort of skip ahead sort of by how good he is or how his mastery of the game mechanics so he doesn't have to go through the tedium of repeating the same part of the fight over and over again. So it's like a balance of that. It's interesting. That's cool. Actually, I haven't heard of Fury. I'll have to check that out. But I really yeah, check like it out. there's someone out there thinking of that kind of thing. It's really hard. It's a really difficult game, but it's a lot of fun, and it's very fast-paced. There's the other. There's a game called uh, Titan Souls. It's a little indie game, and you're just I, you have a bow and a single arrow, and it's nothing but boss fights. And I guess to kind of answer that question as well, Jared, I think one of the things that helps define something as a boss versus just a normal trash mob it is those things that we take sort of take for granted those tropes of boss fights you know in titan souls you walk in to an arena that gets closed off and then all of those other things kick in and that you're having to learn attack patterns and the boss is huge that's you know typically a good signifier that it's a a substantial enemy um you know and they they go on for the fights go on for a while and then yeah there, there is a progression to those fights as well so i think it's you know a lot of these things combined all sort of define a boss fight, even if the bosses are the only enemy you're fighting in a game. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what are some things that you guys see as bad in boss fights? Like, what's a what's a big turnoff for you, Sam, when you're playing a game that has a, a boss fight? I think uh, the best example I have, I mean, everybody, this is definitely one of those, like, yeah, this, everyone agrees with me with this generally. But, uh, you know, quick time events, you know, those sort of cinematic... Uh. You press the you press a button when you're prompted to. I know a game I played uh, somewhat recently is a Shadow of Mordor, and that game's great. You know, I love that, love the uh, the whole experience of, of the you know the Nemesis system is really groundbreaking. I really love that. It's like finally, wow, someone made a good Lord of the Rings game. Um, but the final boss fight is basically a series of you know uh, button press prompts, and it doesn't matter if you know how you leveled up your character. It doesn't matter because it's an RPG at heart, and it doesn't matter you know, what you've learned and what you do, you literally could be as effective beating that boss at the beginning. Or, or somebody who's never played that game before would probably be about as effective beating that boss than someone who's play, put in, like, hundreds of hours. And that was a really sort of disappointing 
conclusion to uh, to a game that I really liked. So I don't know. That's that I would say sticks in my mind is something that I hate in Boston. Is any sort of oh yeah, press this button at this time. That's interesting game mechanics. Yeah. When I think it's really just super. I don't know. It's just like we, we this really should have been just a cutscene, but since it's a video game, let's just inject this little snippet of interactivity and call it a boss battle, or call it a, a video game. You know that yeah. that always uh, was seemed wrong to me. Yeah, I think we could probably do a whole episode on quick time events. Totally, totally. I mean, that game in particular, it was just like it was so solid. Like the gameplay was so much fun, and it almost seemed like they ran out of time to finish making the game, yeah. and they were like, I, I don't know. Like even the like the, the the main guy that you fight at the end, like I was like, who who even is this guy? Like I don't yeah. even like there was no build up to the fight or anything, and then it was just over. Which like it really didn't bother me. I think probably as much as it should have because I was having such a good time with the rest of the game, and mm-hmm. I kind of like had my fill, and I was like, all right, well I should just now just like finish this game at this point because I could do these, you know, I could play with the Nemesis system for for hours and hours, but I was like, I just want to finish it. So but then I finished it, and I was like, oh well, that was like super unsatisfying because. They spend, yeah. like, the whole game, like, giving you new powers. Like, you get to ride on, you know, you get to ride on those weird horse things, and and you get to transport using your arrows. Like, it's like, man, I can't wait to use these all in one big epic fight. Well, there's, just, there's actually a, there's a lot written about this idea that, um, that companies, game developers, will skimp on the back half of their games because the statistics say that most players won't reach the end of a game. So it, it doesn't surprise me that the last boss of that game is not, you know, a big fun encounter. Most companies are it. more interested in investing the fun gameplay at the start of the game. Because that's what people well, I mean, that's okay, what the majority so that's of people are going then. to play. Because and I then, started when I started sorry. playing Shadow of Mordor, like I was really enjoying it and I started, I put off the story so I could just do all the um, the raids or whatever you call them, the, the going into the compounds and stuff like that. And then I, at one point, I was like, all right, I should probably start progressing through the story. And that was the only way to get some of like the more fun mechanics out of the game was to unlock them by doing story missions. And I was like, dang, I should have done this so much earlier. I, I could see some people getting put off by the early game because there's not a whole lot of mechanics that they introduce you to until you progress in the story. So like that's that's one of the things I tell people when they go to that game is like, hey, you should probably just play some of the story first so you can unlock like the real fun parts of the game. So I know what you're weird, saying. It's such a weird, delicate balance. But yeah, I mean, most a lot of games. I mean, it's it's a pretty common criticism of video games is that the uh, the end of the game is weaker than the beginning, and it's because video game developers know that only 10, 15 percent of people are actually going to see the end of their game. And 100% of people who <laughs> play the game are going to see the beginning of it. So that's where they invest a lot of their, their time and effort. Anyway, Jake, how about you? Any uh, What turns you off on boss battles? Uh, personally, I don't like uh, bullet sponge bosses. I feel like the division was always like uh, an offender of this, where you're shooting a guy for like 10 minutes and it's, it's just a guy, got, just a human. He's, he's just got a sweater on, but I guess that sweater is uh, plus one thousand to bullet resistance. It's a resistance. sick sweater. I can but. suspend disbelief for like a fifty foot tall dragon, but uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. When it's just a normal guy, there's got to be like uh, there's sort of like that cognitive dissonance there where you're like, wait, <laughs> what? how is this guy alive? And it also just doesn't feel like 
like we were talking about, like we're learning these mechanics and then we apply them like for the boss fight. When I'm applying those mechanics for like 15 minutes, <laughs> it starts to get the interest curve just like tunnels into the center of the earth for me. And I just I just get really bored because it's like I've already I've already shown that I can do this. You don't need to have me do this one thing for it's not an endurance test. Yeah. Game. Yeah. I mean, some games that can't, some games that can work, like uh, like WoW raids, oh, yeah. like having yeah, a huge does. boss with a huge health pool works because you've got forty people that are in there, yeah. all chipping away, and it feels like. And with those bosses, they're huge and have unique mechanics. Yeah, they're not just a dude in a sweater, like in like a ruined subway. Like I know you were talking station. about one particular one. Yeah, earlier. yeah. Uh, MMO boss design is like a whole nother deal, especially because you have to deal with the sheer amount of people generally mm-hmm. that are involved. But um, uh, my personal favorite, uh, uh, probably boss fight, was way back in vanilla World of Warcraft. Uh, back in like it was uh, the raid was molten core, and uh, this was back in about like 2005 or something or 2004. And uh, there was a boss that uh, Baron Geddon was his name, and what he would do is he would pick someone randomly out of the 40 players to become the living bomb as it's called and uh so everybody has to be really pay attention to make sure that they don't that they aren't the living bomb. And when they are they have to hightail it away from all of their from everybody because when they blow up like a second or two later it could take out half it could take out like 20 people so it really encouraged everyone to be really really attentive because it was first like uh, your character would get this, this little spark like a kind of a subtle effect on their character or something like that and you if you didn't pay attention, if you weren't glued to looking for that debuff in particular, uh, the whole the whole thing could start like you just wipe, and the whole thing they'd have to start over, and you would have thirty nine people being very mad at you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a there was a raid in Destiny. Wow, I'm trying to remember the boss's name. I think it was Golgoroth, and he had a similar debuff that would apply to one player. And yeah, you could just wipe your whole team. And that's when the uh, the finger pointing all comes out, and you see people's yeah. <laughs> true character come through. Yeah. Yep. And that's where my uh, distrust from humanity came from. Yeah. <laughs> Jared, did you want to jump on this negativity train and tell us uh, something you don't like about boss battles? Uh, yeah. I mean, like someone. Um, I hope I'm not stealing this from somebody, but the the newest uh, Deus Ex games, um, specifically mm-hmm. Human Revolution. Um, I believe they outsourced the boss fights in that game to a, a, a oh. third-party developer. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was it was great because, like, I mean, I tend to play stealthy in games that want you to play stealthy or that reward stealth. And then you get to these boss fights, and there's not really a way. Like, it's it's really just you kind of run around and shoot them, and it was really super unsatisfying when you got to those parts. It felt super disconnected. You didn't even have to kill anybody in the game up until those points. So it, it just seemed like really disconnected from the way that they were rewarding you to play all the way up until that point. So I hated that. And then the end of that game comes down to you literally, there's not even an end boss. Like you end up just pressing a button at the end of the game and that mm-hmm. ends the game. So like talk about unsatisfying final encounters. That was, that, that really sticks out in the top of my mind. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. So, you know, looking at, Human Revolution versus the original Deus Ex, which is one of my favorite games of all time, although certainly doesn't stand the test of time. Um, but it was cool because I remember in the original game, trying to there was the the German cyborg. I forget his name. Jared, any help here? Let's say Klaus. 
<laughs> Klaus, the German cyborg in the original Deus Ex. Um, there's a part where he confronts you and it would it would typically lead into a fight. But if you had been sleuthing and hacking and, and stealthing during that game, you could actually uncover a, a password. It was like a kill switch for him, which you could then say to him, which would just would kill him instantly without engaging in that fight. And that was really cool because that was that was implementing your play style into that encounter that you, you put in the legwork uh to uncover that information and then we're able to use it uh, i almost said productively yeah, unlike human revolution it seemed like whoever designed that mechanic understood what the rest of the game was like because human revolution it seemed like they they had no idea but I mean, it's interesting right because like imagine you're that third party company and the and uh who was that idos comes to you and says like hey will you design our boss battles for us and you go yeah sure and then you use all of the tools of like a traditional boss battle and then the game launches, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, what we made? Right. We made a boss battle. Like, we 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 checked all of the boxes." I mean, it may not be their fault. There was probably, you know, stuff that was classified. They didn't want to. They didn't want to hand out information about the game that was still in development. But man, that was, it just felt so disjointed. Yeah. Well, you know, so there's another game that that kind of has a a bad boss battle is Bioshock, which by all other metrics, I think is generally considered a masterpiece of a video game. Um, but that they felt the need for some reason to put a just a really weird boss battle at the end of that game. I barely remembered it. I saw that you had mentioned Bioshock, and I was like, "Wait, what was yeah. the bio, the boss battle in that? Other than like the big daddies, which kind of felt like a little mini boss at the time." No, but, it wasn't a big daddy. It was like the yeah, the one garbage goes, <laughs> goes ape, and uh, it's bad. Which I yeah, you know I think I I think we've reached a point in game development where boss battles aren't necessary for every game. It, it's I don't know where it came from because like the old arcade games they did just used to hit sort of like kill screens like uh pac-man and donkey kong i'm wondering you know like where that necessity for boss battles to be in games came from if it was a symptom of the the consoles or i mean we started getting rid of like high scores right games started moving away from the score-based reward system and yeah, i think that it kind of stems from like making you know a good a good checkpoint in your game uh, or an achievement that you, f- you feel accomplished after you've done that. Cause if say you just get to the end of Zelda and it was like, Oh, here's all the cool stuff. You have your master sword. Uh, thanks for playing. You'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then how do I compare my accomplishment to my friend's accomplishment? Yeah, that makes sense. I think you're onto something. Uh, let's, all right, let's, let's move who, away who from wants, being who negative. Wants, <laughs> who wants to talk about Metal Gear Solid? Wants to talk about Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna say let's let's move away from from the negativity and, and talk about some of our favorite boss battles. Uh, and Jared, I guess I'll start with you. What was your what's your favorite boss battle from a video game? My single favorite boss battle? I don't know because uh, okay, it, it's hard on, to then. say. I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean, Metal Gear Solid right is like full of memorable bosses, and like I think that's one of the key points of making great boss battles is these very memorable antagonists that you've you've been seeing the whole game you're like all right now i get to fight them and uh, metal gear solid was interesting because you always got like a super long explanation for the most of them uh, at the end after you after you poured bullets into these guys or blown them up with claymores and you're like oh they were human too and <laughs> maybe i'm the monster <laughs> They're just so good. Like, Psycho Mantis was, I mean, that's probably one of my all-time favorite boss battles for Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation 1. You would, you would, you started freaking out, your your screen goes crazy, 
and he tells you to put a uh, starts he's, he's going to read your mind and so he looks at your memory card and sees what uh, you've been doing the whole game and he comments on your gameplay and he tells you to put your controller down on the ground or on the table and he makes your he's like I'm going to make the controller move with the power of my mind and it just vibrates which is <laughs> hilarious um, and then like when you're fighting him he makes the screen go into like a video like input screen i remembered that for the first time and i was like what the hell just happened like freaking out like thinking that like my tv just screwed me over and that was just that was ingenious that was like one of my favorite things ever like breaking that fourth wall was so cool and one of like the most creative things i can remember from a boss battle who put metal gear solid on the list i originally thought it was jared that was, that was me yeah i'm I, sorry if i took I that from you that. but no, it's, such a, it's such That's a good, good one man no you explained it very well that is exactly, i agree with you 100 percent now in that in the psychomantis fight that was the that was the one where you had to switch the controller ports right yeah like they don't tell you that like you i think maybe if you fail enough like someone will call you up on the codec and be like hey switch your controller ports like they literally <laughs> say that but that's that's super cool like that was that was awesome yeah metal gear had some had some fun mechanics like that there was um oh gosh dude i'm doing terribly with names the end, the end in uh, mm-hmm. Snake Eater. It's the oh, sniper yeah. battle. Yeah. Yeah. Really. So the the end is that like pain in the ass sniper battle, but there were like so early in that game. There's a po- there's a point where you can kind of see him. Uh, it's not really a cutscene. Like you're active in the the scene, where you can just shoot him, and then you don't have to deal with the the boss battle <laughs> later in the game. But the other thing yeah. the other thing that's cool about that fight too is you could, um, when you're in that fight, you could leave the game and set the clock on your PlayStation. Uh, I forget how much time. I think you had to set it ahead like a week or something. And when you would go back into the game, he would have died. He dies of old age <laughs> rather than engaging yeah. in that fight. That stuff's, I mean, that stuff's kind of cool. Now, in the end's case, there was, you could just sort of fight him traditionally. I think with Psycho Mantis, you had to switch out your controller. Um, are those... We remember those as like being fun and kind of cheeky, but are those good boss battle designs? Like, if every boss battle you played in every single game was like that, would we go mad with craziness? Yeah, I, I think so. I think uh, they're unique, and I would like to see more of that sort of unique uh, breaking the fourth wall and, and having you to, to like things that sort of make sense in the physical world. Like, hey, what if I wait this guy out? He'll just—he's an old guy. He'll just die. Or like, hey, I see him in this cutscene. If I just take him out now, I bet you know. I'll, you know, all that stuff. It's really cool, but I think, I don't know if it needs to be in, like, every video game or, or every boss battle, but I think that it's to see more of that breaking of the formula and sort of surprising the players would be much appreciated, I think. There's a lot we can learn from it. Just introducing, like, out-of-the-box mechanics or ways to do stuff, uh, giving you options like that, I think that's super cool. See, I think it would That's be something cool that Zelda's if, really good at, too. I think it would be cool if, if the sort of out-of-the-box thinking you were doing was still within the confines of the game. But I think there is kind of a danger to promoting that kind of game development. Not that not that all game developers are interested in that. Obviously, Kojima's a madman. Yeah. <laughs> and has very unique uh, approaches to his game design. Um, but, I, you know, I... I worry about like spreading that idea that we as gamers want to see <laughs> more stuff like that. I I like the games, you know, sort of like I was talking about with Destiny, that allow for improvisation, that allow you to, um, yeah, like I, I've seen I've seen stuff for the new Zelda where it's like, oh, you know, you can you can approach these encounters in different ways using 
I mean, in some cases, like really weird interactions between abilities and items and stuff. And I, I think that's that's really cool because it is within the game. Um, you know, they're not asking you to like put your switch in the microwave to <laughs> set this boss on fire. But <laughs> oh man, I can't um, wait to see what Kojima does with uh, Death Stranding. It's going to be like crazy shit like that. I like, no one knows what it's about. But I'm, still, nice. I'm so hyped. I'm hyped, but I don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, it's all a mystery. Yeah. Well, Jake, how about you? What, what's your favorite boss battle of all time? Is there anything that sticks out to you? Oh, I would honestly have to say the Ornstein and Smo fight in Dark Souls is one of my favorite boss fights. Have you guys played it? Uh, I, I have played Dark Souls. I have not encountered those bosses. <laughs> so it comes about I, uh, like... I did not half... make it very far in that game. <laughs> so it comes about like halfway into the game. And you go to a place called Onorlando, which has a great art style, by the way. It's all, it's all like cathedrals and like twilight lighting and whatnot. Mm. But you get into this room and other than like the gargoyle fight, you don't really fight anyone. You don't fight like multiple bosses at the same time. So when you get into this one, you see these two guys and they jump down and it's already like a, a 2v1 basically. And both guys are like, as hard as a normal boss. Yeah. So suddenly there's like this difficulty spike of like, how do I handle both of these guys? Like one of them has, he has like a spear and he's really fast and has these lightning attacks. And then the other guy is like this big hulking giant with like a hammer that you sort of have to like kite and like get away from, but can do like massive damage. But one of the cool things that I luckily wasn't spoiled on before I went into it was, once you kill one, the other one crushes their body and, like, absorbs them and becomes even more powerful. But you, based on who you kill, you can kind of decide, like, who the next person you're going to fight is. Like, are you going to fight the super-powered spear guy or the super-powered hammer guy? And it's sort of, like, whoever you kill first, the other one sort of, like, takes his revenge. I always thought that was, like, a really cool, like, it was, like, it's not much of a player choice, but it is still a choice in, like, how you approach this boss fight. Well, I remember, like, the strategy of that being, like, you get them both down to, like, hardly any health. Like, you don't kill one until they're both almost dead, and then that makes it a lot easier. Mr. F- Mr. FAQ over here. And now, who, who, who didn't I ask this question to? Sam, I think, is where I, I left off, right? Um, I would... I was gonna say Ornstein and Smoke, but Jake took it I from took me. It. It's, it's okay. Stolen. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I really like. Um, it's a game that I don't think a lot of Western uh, audience is really familiar with. Is, is Monster Hunter? I don't know if you'd really consider them bosses in the traditional sense because they're just basically large dragons or creatures that you you go on hunts to kill. But they're basically bosses. Um, as you progress through the game, you have to fight larger and larger bosses. And are, are either of you familiar with with Monster Hunter? Just through hearing about it. I haven't played any yeah. of the Monster Hunter games. I played the original, and I remember renting it from Blockbuster on PlayStation, yeah. and I'm Whoa. like, what the hell is this game? Dating yourself. Wow. <laughs> That's old school. Uh, but yeah, Monster Hunter, it's, been, uh, it's actually been... Uh, it was originally on Sony, and now it was on Nintendo for a while, uh, but now it's just coming... Uh, they just announced a new game for it coming in, I think, next year that's on, like, PC and stuff. Really hyped for that. But essentially, the, 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 uh, the sort of formula doesn't change. What I really like about that is that uh, when you go out to your hunt to go fight the dragon or whatnot, you get to pick like what your target is in general. Um, you they don't have health bars at all. Like there's no and there's no damage numbers or anything when you're doing 
Like, you have no really way of knowing if you're doing damage to them as much. But what they do have, uh, the bosses have a series of tells that you have to be really observant for. Like, certain bosses will start limping a certain way when you know that they're at a certain percentage health-wise. Um, they'll fly away. They'll, they'll, uh, if they're really low health, they'll fly away to their nest, and they'll go back to their nest and actually try to go to, go to sleep and try to heal up. And uh, if you see that, you know that they're close to death and stuff. But they're really, you, they could be low, low, uh, low life, and you wouldn't even know. So it's, what I like about that is it isn't just some arbitrary health thing. You know, it's actually uh, rewards the observant player and uh, and uh, going forward, I think it's a real. I would like to see more games do that instead of just a massive health bar fill the screen. It would be interesting to to not have that and have like uh, I don't know, like the boss starts losing power in some visible way or is hurt in some visible way. Like uh, you chip off part of their armor. Like maybe you know they go into a different phase. They become enraged. You know, there's some sort of phase two, and it's all about visual. It's like if you were actually there, there's no real health bar in real life. You know, so it, I think that's an interesting thing that could work in some games. I wouldn't say it would work for all games because I think the health bar is, it's probably really frustrating to, you know, you don't know how close they are to death. You don't know how to make those decisions and whatnot. So it can be a really frustrating mechanic, but I think for the observant player and in certain types of games, I think I would, I would really love to see that used more. Yeah. The game Dead Space was kind of like that where you would, like the whole mechanic around fighting monsters in that game was chopping off bits and pieces of them. Mm, I don't yeah. I don't remember there being any health bars, so it was just like, yeah, take out take out this random appendage and, and you can tell that it's hurting. Yeah, and that's intuitive too. That makes sense. Like you don't have to I don't know, it doesn't feel very gamey. It feels sort of like you understand it sort of inherently. I think that's a cool uh, to you know, de gamify and sort of declutter the screen with, with HUD elements and stuff, I think is is something that I'd like more game developers to, to look into. I, would say. I like how they, uh, in Dead Space, how they do the health bar and, uh, what was it, stasis for uh, Isaac, is that it's just, uh, it's just like his spinal column, just as his health mm -hmm. bar, basically. Oh. And then he's just got a patch that's cool, like, on that's... his shoulder that sort of shows like how much stasis you have. So And because it's third person, you're always looking at him, so you always know like what his health is. What your stasis is, That's but really cool. yeah. there's no other like HUD elements. Yeah. Oh yeah, I could I could probably game. do a whole episode on on UI and stuff. I love in-game HUDs. <laughs> that just reminded me, there was a game that came out a long time ago. I, I it was about shooting dinosaurs. Oh yeah, it was I think the, it was a uh, Jurassic Park Trespasser. I, I'm sure that's the one you're going to reference right now. Yeah, like right, you look, you're, it's in first person. You look down at your your own boobs, and there's like a tattoo that would like lose like a part of a heart if you like were down on health mm -hmm. or something. Oh, well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun way to mix uh, heads up display and uh, <laughs> a sexually objectified protagonist in one. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no, but that one was really cool because there was no heads up display in that one. There was no yeah, reticle, was like you had, to, you had to actually hold, that game was weird because there were like a million buttons to control the the angle that your hand was at. So you'd like pick up a gun and then you'd, all right, I've got to press the button for my uh, forearm adjustment. All right, now i got to press the button for my wrist adjustment. Yeah, I was right like now. playing co-op, but like a first person shooter, <laughs> yeah. it made no sense. <laughs> uh, but you know, so to aim, it was like you had to sort of p actually pick the gun up to your face and aim down the sights in order to shoot it. It was, it was really ambitious. For a game that was just trying to cash in on the Jurassic Park name. Speaking of Quop, what about the boss battle in that? There's a boss battle in Quop? Yeah, did oh, you get the end the, of it? The, the, no, it's half, the, the boss battle's the only boss half. The boss battle was like... 
<laughs> the boss battle, the boss battle the is the, the hurdle in the middle of the track. Oh, was that in the middle? <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, that at was the, in the middle? it's at the 50 meter mark. There's a hurdle that no one actually jumps over. You just kind of run over it. I mean, I feel like I watched you like master that game. You got real good at that game. Oh, yeah. And it's like riding a bike. I could still pull up Quop and probably at least make it to the 50 meter mark. That's impressive. Best best boss of all time. <laughs> That's a skill. The hurdles, the boss battle. I like that idea. <laughs> well, Jake, moving forward, what do we want to see from the industry? How can the industry improve on boss battles? I feel like the trend right now is to make boss run games, like boss rush games where everything's a boss because it's sort of like mm-hmm. it kind of cuts out the middleman of of your game it cuts out like all that middle part and just like it cuts to like all the climactic moments all strung together and we're seeing that a lot more i think with games like fury and cuphead and and it's pretty good for um indie games because you don't have to design these huge levels it's mostly about like these character designs and designing like these you don't have to worry about people breaking your game as much when they're confined to these arenas and like yeah, and there's only one enemy that you have to design, and you just put a lot of work and polish into that enemy. I mean, that's why we chose the format that we did was because it's a cool idea, but also you only have to model one guy. <laughs> we only have one yeah. mech model, and so and then you only have animations for that one guy. It's like if you only have like seven bosses and then seven models. Yeah. So you're kind of cutting. At least for indie games. I don't know how we how we'd go forward with like AAA, but at least for indie games, it's how I see sort of things. Uh, seems to be an easy way to make a good uh, a good experience. Yeah. How about you, Sam? What do you want to see in the future uh, of boss battles in game design? Like I mentioned before, with, with like Monster Hunter and stuff, I do I do like with maybe thinking uh, maybe developers should think little more outside the box of like what what a boss fight should be because you know it's important to include tropes because people have certain expectations and whatnot um but i think having maybe ditching the uh ditching the health bar and having it based on on observation maybe like uh like jake said about like dead space having the if the health if you're gonna have a health bar at least some sort of indicator of your progress because you know you want to have that in a game at least in some somehow is that it's visible and it's diegetic or i guess that might be the term where it's it's in the world of the mm-hmm. game. It's not some sort of gamified thing for the for what is it the ease of use or the convenience or quality of life of the player, which is important, but it it, it tends to come at the cost of, of immersion and sort of uh, going into another world and experiencing a different story than what you're used to. So I think that for me, I would love to see more of of, of I guess less gamifying bosses and having it be more uh more organic and more in the world of the story in some way that's what i would say jared how about you what do you want to see i mean as you as you know if you listen to this podcast or steve you just know that the kind of games that i enjoy are kind of story driven games they have they have a narrative behind them so i think this is true of any medium that's that, that goes that way is it whether it be a book or a movie or a game i would like to see just an extrapolation of the antagonist. Like, why do I care that I'm fighting this guy right now? Like, why is this a big deal? Why is this like, what makes this climactic of, of the situation that I'm in? And that's why I like Metal Gear Solid so much is because each one of the boss fights is just these, these different evil people that you see throughout the game. And all of a sudden you're like, now I get to fight them. 
And what made the mechanics of that good was each one had, you know, a specific gimmick, whether it's, it was like the um, Raven, you know, in Metal Gear Solid 1, where you were you had to stay warm while also avoiding his long-reaching machine gun. And that was the second time you fought him. Like, you, you, you fought him in the tank before that, and now, it, now he's out of the tank, so it just kind of switched it up. And you have, like, a vendetta, like a personal vendetta against these, so... I mean, it feels like more of an accomplishment, and I just like that feeling of being able. Yes, like I, I, I this is this is a checkpoint in the game. This is like a, a note in the story that they hit, and that's awesome. I'm gonna talk again. I talk about this like almost every other episode, but Red Dead Redemption I think has like one of the coolest ends to any video game, where you get your revenge on the final character at the very last second of the game, and it's as easy as walking up to the guy and putting a gun to the back of his head, and then you get the late title card. And like that was like one of the most satisfying end encounters I've ever played in a game. Agreed. That's awesome. I love that end sequence. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic, just a great game and a great ending to a game. I, man, I wish I wish all games could sort of <laughs> achieve that that uh, that kind of ending. Just wait for Red Dead Two coming soon. <sighs> yeah, it better come for yeah. PC. Someday. I'm gonna be pretty upset if it doesn't. Someday, yes, to PC someday. <laughs> what I'd like to see from the industry in the future of boss battles is more Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. Steve, what would you like to see for the future of boss battles? (laughs) You got to be prompted. (laughs) I have to be prompted to do this. (laughs) Hey, you had no no one to throw to you, so I I felt bad. Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Well, see, now it's, like, not organic because I have to go, well, Jared, what I would like to see in boss battles in the future. It's fine. I'll edit all this out. Oh, that's good. <laughs> or, just, or just leave it all in and just reveal to everyone how clunky our transitions are. But I, I say keep it in. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> no, but I, I like bosses that um, are sort of the culmination of the, the mechanics that you've learned throughout you know, their stage or throughout the game. And I know that that's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's what a boss battle is. But I think in some cases we've moved away from that. I, I think about like, um, some of the recent Resident Evils, although I haven't played the newest one, so I'm not speaking about that one specifically. So please avoid emailing me about uh, Resident Evil Seven and how I'm I'm wrong in this regard. But in a lot of cases, it was like, okay, you're you're about to fight a boss now. Now get on this machine gun turret, and it it felt really weird because it's like, wait a second, you know, the, the, this whole game I've been I've you know I've been aiming down the sights and trying to pop off headshots and stuff, and now I'm locked in place and I'm shooting a a boss and it's glowy bits. This has nothing to do with what I've done throughout the game. So I I just want developers to s- stay cognizant of what a boss battle means to a game. It's not just an opportunity to shoot something big. It's an opportunity for the player to express themselves using those those lessons and tools that they've acquired throughout the game. So that's 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 my two cents on the matter. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to Oh, sorry. Did you have something to add? See, this is where we're bad at transitions cuz I cut people off and I'm good. You just took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Which ones? The ones about how we're bad at transitions? Both. No, no you guys are excellent. You guys are true professionals. See all of the above. <laughs> uh, let's move on to our feedback, Jared. What did what have people been saying about us? Well, let me tell you what people have been saying about us, Steve. They have been saying things <laughs> like Mike on Facebook. He says, I freely admit I was listening at work, so I may have missed it mentioned, but I think Star Wars X-Wing series could have benefited from a remake slash remaster. Agreed. There's a great, 100%. Yeah, 
I can't uh, believe we didn't mention that in that episode. I know, I know. And people have been asking for that for a while, I think. And I don't know. Now it's now it's all tied up with, with Disney and EA. So who knows if that's ever going to be a thing. But he says there's a great meme that says Todd Howard is actually trapped in the game and is subtly giving clues on how to free him with each remaster of Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> that's my headcanon now. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, like a, there's, um, an, there's a great 80s movie in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's the concept for the new Jumanji. Oh, God. We must go inside the jungle video game. Uh, yeah, it's a video game now. I blocked it from my memory. It looks so bad. Every time I hear about Todd Howard, I'm just like, what year is it? <laughs> uh, also in that, uh, we, we, we threw back to our discussion uh, where we brought up first-person shooters on whether or not we like the Y inverted access. And Mike says that... Uh, I'm also glad that you pulled uh, your guest Kyle on the inversion of Y-axis. You should keep on that so listeners know which guests to trust and which are obviously replicants. Uh, Before we, yeah, so Sam and Jake, like, what what do you guys say about uh, Y inverted? Are you are you standard or inverted? I'm standard. I can't do. Yeah, we're we're normal. I think it's called normal. (laughs) Jerry, we're we're so outnumbered, dude. (laughs) It's it's pretty bad. I mean, we're gonna find. I mean, so. Every time we find guests, uh, this should be like a prerequisite, right? Before we start, we start bringing people on. Like we should just ask them, so we don't have to throw these episodes away now. <laughs> I think it's, it's either wrong or correct. And I think we're all on the correct side here, objectively. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you for the email, Mike. That was uh, that was great. And then we also had uh, one of our friends, Sean, uh, write us. He said that he really enjoyed the episode with Kyle Clark. He, he liked him as he said he was an awesome guest. He feel he would fit right in as one of our friends. So <laughs> Kyle, if you're listening, uh, good job. Good job on being friendly. Yeah. I think, you know, I-, I don't remember if I've mentioned this on the show or not, but I-, I think one of the sort of surprises for me was how much I've enjoyed having guests on the show. And I, I mean, I think everyone that we've had on could easily fit in as, as one of our, uh, our close friends, present, Aww. present company included. You guys are, Will you be our friends? Will you be our friends? We need more friends. Please. It's not not official until it's on Facebook. That's true. We'll we'll be Facebook official. Okay, I'm going to add you guys right after this. You guys better say yes. (laughs) All right, well, if uh, any of our listeners have questions or comments about boss battles or any of our previous topics, uh, you can always send us emails at podcast at gbfeature.com or connect with us at gbfeature on Twitter. Also, we're always soliciting ideas for future topic ideas. So if you have anything that you want to hear us talk about in the future, send that along, and we'll try to find the perfect guest for it. Uh, anything else before we wrap it up? Oh, yeah, I think is, we covered everything. This has been an experience. All right, cool. It has. It's that's been good. great. Yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Before we get out of here, I want to thank our guests, Sam Malone and Jake Ellis. Guys, thank you so much for being here. This has been an absolute blast. You guys uh, knocked it out of the park. Thank, thank you. you. We just said that in unison. Not even the same person. Thank you. Guess you, we are replicants. Uh, maybe we're replicants after all. Maybe that guy was right. I don't know. Let's go well, get thank tested. You for, thank you for having us. But yeah, seriously, absolutely. But seriously, thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, now, where can people keep up with you? Where is there a place that you guys are planning on publishing your game when it's uh, when you're finished, at least with this first sort of test phase of it, or we're planning on putting work. it on. Yeah, we're planning on putting it up on on Steam, the VR early access area, and we're probably gonna post about it. Possibly, I'm, I'm fairly sort of active on the the Vive and the Oculus subreddits on Reddit, and uh, I will most likely be posting something there when we have something going on. We're going under the the working title um, Project Wyvern, 
uh, it's still kind of, you know, it's just a temp name, but we, you might see something like that. And uh, if you guys are interested at all, we'll be posting some footage and some stuff probably, hopefully in a couple months or so, we'll have something showable. Uh, but yeah, that'd be great. Well, whenever you guys are, whenever you guys are getting close to, you know, releasing the game in whatever iteration, let us know, man. We'd be happy to uh, talk about it on the show and tweet it out for you. Yeah, I look forward to it. We'd really Thank appreciate you. That'd that. That'd be awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right, as a reminder, we release new episodes every two weeks. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything. If you like what we do and you want to help us out, head over to iTunes, give us a review. Uh, I want to thank Kyle Clark for making our theme song. You can check out his podcast, This Is Rad, on iTunes. And lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to us chat about video games. This has been Game Breaking Feature. Remember, it's okay to disagree. Just don't be a dick about it. Thank you guys so much. I'll catch you all later. Take it easy, guys.